Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now this week, we're talking about solar, obviously, and storage in the most concentrated market in the U.S. That's Hawaii. Now the reason is that the electric rates in Hawaii are the highest in the country. As a result, the economics for solar are the best in the country. In some areas, over 16% of the people have rooftop solar systems already. So what happens when a high percentage of homeowners install solar? Well, they love it. Solar customers love it. They save money. But who gets mad? The local utilities. So the utilities in Hawaii have made a lot of changes to net metering and electric rates and policies to throttle back the solar industry. And they make more money when the solar industry is throttled back. But with new battery storage technology, there's a bright light at the end of the tunnel. So my guest on this week's show is Marco Mangelsdorf, CEO of ProVision Solar. ProVision's the leading solar installer on the Big Island of Hawaii. They're headquartered in Hilo. Now, Marco's been installing solar since 2001, and he's also got some California background because he has a PhD in poli-sci from the University of California in Davis. So welcome to the show, Marco. Well, as we're fond of saying in the Hawaiian Islands, very aloha, and thank you so much for having me. It's a real treat to be able to be with you today on this not-so-sunny solar day, but great nonetheless. It's great that it's raining. I kind of Not only do we have a drought, but it's God's way of washing the solar panels, and I always want to let our solar customers know that heavy rain is the best way to get your solar panels clean, and quick reminder, never hose them off. But anyway, <laughs> just, just some background there. All right, so let's just talk about the solar market in Hawaii. How is it grown over the last 10 years? Well, it's been a real, what I've called, and I think is whether I'm the originator of this particular word or not, a heck of a solar coaster, Barry. It's a solar coaster with ups and downs. And we peaked in Hawaii uh, 2012, 2013 in terms of the number of systems going and number of PV permits issued by the R4 counties. And it, the train has been slowing considerably since the halcyon days of 2011, 2012, 2013. We've been challenged by regulatory decisions. We've been challenged by going where no other utilities that I'm aware of in the United States have gone before, which is the, like as you mentioned, very high degree penetration of solar, both rooftop solar and mid-sized solar and some utility scale solar. So our utility operators, and keep in mind in Hawaii, the islands are not interconnected. So each island is an island to itself in terms of its own electric grid that we are seeing and the utility operators are seeing what the limits are of having uh, literally tens of thousands of non-controlled rooftop solar systems feeding into this grid. As I've uh, taught my students over the years when I teach my energy politics class, uh, the grid is finite. That, I think, is is self-evident because there's no such thing as an infinite grid. And if, therefore, the grid is finite, the amount of energy feeding from whatever sources has to also necessarily be finite. So the question is finding the right balance, both in terms of economics, in terms of what's best for ratepayers, control of putting carbon in the atmosphere in terms of combusting things, renewable energy, large, medium, and small. So it's really the, the test bed in our little Aloha state, the 50th state, in terms of how all these pieces go together, trying to come up with lower energy costs become more energy independent and fulfill the governor's goal, which he signed into law several years ago of making Hawaii 100% renewable in terms of power generation by 2045. And just FYI, in the Big Island, where I've lived now for going on 18 years, we are already close to 60% renewable, 60%. And by the end of 2019, with a biomass plant probably coming online, we'll probably be around 70. So that 70%, is that kilowatt hour generated or, or peak capacity? Megawatt hours consumed. 
Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of megawatt hours the same. The generation has to be what's consumed because it's balanced. Now, I understand what the Hawaiian utilities are trying to do by saying, oh, we have too much distributed solar, so let's cap that. What can they do instead? Or what's another op- option for a, a more sensitive, broad-minded utility to absorb that extra power? I mean, why don't the utilities put in a lot of extra batteries to soak up that power? Yeah, th- and that way, maybe they can go to a higher penetration rate without having to curtail customers' investments in solar. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And if you look at what's going on in our state, my friends at the Kauai Island Utility Co-op, or KIUC for short, which is we have three publicly owned and operated IOUs, investor-owned utilities, Helco on the Big Island, Miko on Maui for Maui County, and Hiko for Oahu. And then on Kauai, there's a cooperative. And, and the folks at KIUC have been really doing a fantastic job at uh, putting together utility-scale PV and storage first utilities among the first utilities in the country to actually put in their within their grid utility scale storage to be able to absorb that surplus pv power when the amount of solar produced by pv is exceeding the loads uh, during let's say midday or early afternoon the folks at hawaiian electric are also and have been looking at utility scale storage as well i've spoken not too long ago with one of the vps there who in fact is kind of heading up that project they've been on a slower train though very Unfortunately, they're still, by their calendar, somewhere two to three years out in terms of being able to deploy utility-scale storage, whether at power plants or whether at substations. So it's not moving as quickly quite as we would like, but they, they are moving in that direction. So I'd like to get some of your insights into the two different paths that the investor-owned utilities are following and the cooperatives are following it. You know, maybe I'm just a little bit jaded, but it just seems to me that the investor-owned utilities obviously are trying to maximize their income and their assets so they get more profit. So they want to put in their own storage, and they also want to curtail customer generation. On the other hand, the CCAs are like, hey, we're, we just want to do the best thing for society and the ratepayers, and therefore we will invest in storage and DG Solar supported and utility-scale solar, and it's going to be better for ratepayers. Is is that what's playing out behind the scenes, you think, in Hawaii? Well, we are different in Hawaii compared to the mainland, of course, in a number of respects. And with community choice aggregation here in California, the mainland, which I've been following somewhat, it's a lot more difficult to have choices when you have a utility that's on just one island in terms of being able to buy power from thousands or hundreds of miles away because there are no power lines from island to island, let alone to any landmass, large landmass. So I think we're kind of in a more unique situation in terms of trying to find what the balance can be. I mean, that said, back in 2015, a bill was passed, made it to the governor's desk, and the governor signed it for community solar to allow people who don't own their own homes. So we have the highest percentage of renters in Hawaii compared to the rest of the country, which means that a lot of people live in apartments, live in condos, shared housing. And these people haven't been able to take advantage of rooftop solar as single-family homeowners have been. So this community solar is providing an option or will provide an option, but the devil is in the details. And it is not a program that is ready to rock and roll yet, three years after, practically three years later, since it was signed into law. But it's really this kind of testbed in Hawaii 
Barry, yeah. as far as rooftop solar, mid-scale solar, utility-scale solar, and how to put all the pieces together and have it make sense and have it work and have it be in the best interest of the ratepayers and the utilities and the shareholders and so forth and so on. Yeah. So just give me a, a real brief overview of you know kind of what the typical rate structure is for solar customers. Sure. We look at the Big Island, for example, the cost of electricity, residential cost of electricity right now on the Big Island for Hawaii Electric Light Company, or HELCO for short, is 35.7 cents, 35.7 cents a kilowatt hour. That's the base rate. If you use more than X hundreds of kilowatt hours a month, that will go up. So the highest it's ever been was back in September 2008, 2009. If I remember correctly, we got up to 44 cents a kilowatt hour when oil was almost at $150 a barrel on the world market. So the choices that right now that let's say somebody on Oahu or Maui or the Big Island have as far as going solar, there are three options right now. One is something called customer self-supply, where the PV system that you put on your roof cannot, under any circumstances, export any energy from your solar, or battery for that matter, to the grid. So it's zero export. The the other two choices are a program that has just been implemented as of February 20th called Smart Export, Smart Export, which allows for export of uh, solar power or or stored power to the grid, but only between the hours of 4 p.m. to 9 a.m. the next morning. 4 p.m. to 9 a.m. So no export from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And that is at a rate of about a whopping 11 cents a kilowatt hour. Compare that to the retail rate, like I just mentioned, of 35.7 cents a kilowatt hour. So in choice number three, door number three, also just implemented for ratepayer use February 20th is Customer Goods Supply Plus, CGS Plus. And that allows for export at any time of the day or night. However, the credit rate that you would get or CGS Plus customer would get for their system under that tariff is about 11 cents a kilowatt hour on the Big Island. All right, so that's a real dilemma about what's happening with electric rates in Hawaii um, as far as, gee, 11 cents a kilowatt hour to run your electric meter backwards. I've never seen anything that bad here in California. So how do batteries kind of provide the antidote to those unfavorable solar economics? Well... Interestingly, uh, two or three years ago is when the battery buzz kind of started percolating, right? And two or three years ago, I thought, okay, here we go again. Yet the the, the exciting bauble in the distance du jour that uh, we seem to be uh, chasing after, and it's taken a couple, three years for battery options both on the customer side of the meter in terms of residential scale in the 10, 20, 30 kilowatt hour range and in the megawatt hour scale for utility scale. It's taken several years to get to the point where we have uh, viable choices from providers near and far. You know, I've, I've been in this business on and off for 40 years, so I've chased after my share of, of shiny baubles in the distance, uh, whether it's this PV technology or that battery technology. So I'm rather jaded to some extent, But that said, there are battery storage options which are now available, which have all of them to to one, as I'm sure you would attest, have gone through certain burn-in periods and challenges when it comes to performance, reliability, tech support, all the above. But uh, there are choices now which you're pursuing, and my company is a, a certified installer for the Tesla products. And I really do believe, even at my jaded age, 
that battery storage is going to, over time, really remake the grid. I'm kind of a derisive attitude towards the phrase smart grid because a smart grid means many things to different people. But the grid of the 21st century will have more and more energy storage located strategically around the grid, both uh, on the distributed generation level at people's homes and businesses, but also on the utility scale. So in Hawaii, we are fundamentally being forced by uh, regulatory decisions to deploy battery storage. And uh, my company's doing it. My competitors are doing it. Other companies are doing it also on the larger scale, whether it's uh, commercial or utility scale. And no doubt that there will be more and more battery choices coming from the Chinese. I saw a Bloomberg report not too long ago showing the Elon Musk's Tesla Gigafactory outside of Reno is the biggest one in the world, but there were seven, eight, or nine that were in construction, both in China and South Korea. So this product has to go somewhere, right? Nobody's going to invest all this money to have stuff sit on the shelf. So I, I believe battery storage, we're seeing tip of the spear, cutting edge, whatever metaphor you want to use here in Hawaii. We are actually deploying it. And uh, I'm seeing, as I'm doing my data mining of PV permits across the state, and I do it pretty much in real time, that uh, we're pushing now 50-plus percent of all PV rooftop PV systems going in are having battery yeah. storage. So over time, I, I see that as nothing but a good thing. It should produce greater redundancy, resiliency, and reduce our vulnerability to catastrophic weather events. And as I've been saying for a number of months now, you need to look no further than what happened in Puerto Rico in early September of last year, Hurricane. In Maria, where you still have 30 to 40 percent of the people on that island still do not have regular power. So with battery storage, that would mitigate that to some extent. Although a friend of mine sent me a photo just uh, via email showing a utility scale solar farm, what was left of it in Puerto Rico, showing solar modules strewn here and there. Yeah. So when you're talking 150 mile an hour wind, it takes roofs off and rips solar ground mount from the ground, that's kind of, well, all bets are off. Yeah. So as I'm selling storage, I'll say this is going to provide backup power. But I tell you, if your roof goes, uh, you're not going to have yeah. backup power. I, we're seeing the same thing here. You know, we're having really great success with the SolarEdge LG solution. And when I'm saying success is it's, it's working for customers. It's affordable. Two really reliable companies. And you know, Tesla, from what I hear from my friends, is similar. The, the anecdote about where's the value in terms of the customer value proposition, originally we all thought it was going to be, at least I did, and many other people thought it was going to be in grid arbitrage, you know, and, and charge your battery during the day and use the power at night. Well, what we're finding is almost all the customers are buying it because of this resilience thing. And you just mentioned the hurricane in Puerto Rico. I've been grappling with my mother in New Jersey, hasn't had power all week last week. From the it's nor'easter. From, you know, just the, the knockdown, a tree knockdown, a branch on her property. So she's at the end of the line when it comes to fixing that. And she's got a gas generator, but it's kind of tough for an older person to fire up. Solar is absolutely the perfect solution. And you kind of look at what's going to be reliable long term. I mean, Puerto Rico, if, if you have solar on your roof and you've got a battery and you lose the grid power, you'll have, and as long as you have a roof, I mean, granted, if you don't have a roof, you got bigger problems, but as long as you've got that roof with solar on it, that battery is going to recharge every day and you can keep the lights on. You know, to me, what's an interesting kind of theoretical uh, exercise and see how it's going to play out in reality is I don't think anybody would dispute that uh, as a species, we are now the most insured 
that we've ever been in the history of our species. We have health insurance, we have car insurance, we have home insurance, you and I have liability insurance, we have workers' comp insurance, some of us even have pet insurance. We are insured up the wazoo, and this is a fabric of life, right? Not that anybody particularly likes to pay their insurance bill, but we pay it because we feel a greater sense of security, right? So are we at the point now where people like you and I and our competitors and fellow solar brothers and sisters can make a value proposition argument to a homeowner that how about you consider having power insurance as in insurance in case the grid goes down and if we can offer it at a reasonable price and we can pair it with financing i mean because as americans we want what we want and we'll pay for it later right the great american way so my company provision is actually one of the first if not the first in the state of hawaii that's actually promoting the battery retrofit to existing pv systems and pitching the the exact pitch that you and i are talking about which is what do you think about having that security of the power staying on when the rest of your neighborhood goes dark so you can keep your beer cold and your ice cream cold and heat up your tea in your microwave and your entertainment center and your wi-fi uh, on down the line now it's too early to tell i just started and rolling with this all of two months ago. So my hit is that it's going to take six, 12, 18 months of kind of sowing the seeds. And of course, I mean, if there were to be an adverse weather event in Hawaii, that would bring it up to top of mind awareness, big time. The phone would be yeah, ringing off gotta, the hook. You got to be ready for it. I mean, we're saying the same thing. And so that's, that's a real good thing in terms of a value proposition to extend to people to say, hey, for $30 a month, you can get the security of backup power and something that makes sense. Well, it's striking where our attention span is, is or where our attention is drawn. And, I mean, we had a hurricane roll through the Big Island several years ago that put some people who were at the end of long feeders out of power for several weeks as the utility worked very hard and overtime, you know, 24 hours a day to clear up uh, down power lines. And it was back in 1992, and it's a rather striking uh, to, to see this on a, uh, you can find it on Google, the uh, Hurricane Iniki was cruising in a lateral line from east to west, uh, south of the Big Island, pretty much straight line. And then after it got past the Big Island, it made a sharp 90-degree turn and went straight up in a northerly direction and clobbered Kauai, which devastated the utility there. This is, you know, seemingly a long, long time ago. But... You know, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind until people are affected directly, until their power goes off or they read about it in the newspaper or they hear about their neighbor or their their friend on the other side of the island who's been up without power. It's, it's right now it's a tough sell to convince people that uh, when their power is on 99.998 or 6% of the time that they should spend uh, 10 or more thousand dollars on battery backup. Now, that said... We had a, a private letter ruling from the IRS uh, a couple of Fridays ago that uh, was very, very good news that stated that, uh, in principle, someone adding battery storage to an existing PV system should or may be able to qualify for the 30% investment tax credit of 30%. And then we also have a bill in Hawaii right now, Senate Bill 2100, which was uh, passed in the Senate last week and moved over to the House that would establish a separate state tax credit for battery storage when added to an existing PV system, and that would be 25% or 5,000, whichever is less. So the takeaway is if this bill were to become law and go into effect by January 1st, that if you were to spend, let's say, as a homeowner, $10,000, $11,000 on battery storage, you would get, assuming you 
had a tax liability state and federal, you could conceivably get more than half of that paid for by state and federal taxes. So once you start getting sub 5,000 for having 12, 13, 14 kilowatt hours worth of storage, I think that's when potentially the, the solar dam is going to break, so to speak. At least that's what I'm hoping. How did you originally get into the solar business? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I was kind of hoping you'd ask me that, Barry. So uh, 40 years ago, 40 years ago, spring semester, 1978, I was a student. Uh, it was my uh, sophomore year at San Jose State University, and I took a solar design class by uh, a professor in the uh, environmental studies uh, department, uh, Donald Aitken, who was a reformed uh, physicist of oh, sorts, mm-hmm. uh, uh, nuclear physics. And uh, Don's very charismatic and... and uh, I had that fire lit under me uh, about solar, and this was, again, 1978, when photovoltaics, of course, was literally a space age in applications and space age in terms of cost. So Don uh, was my original solar guru and mentor, and he's become a very, very, very dear friend, and it turned out that his parents and my grandparents, Small World, uh, were very close friends. So Don uh, was the one that got me started, and uh, I have a great love uh, and appreciation for him, and it's kind of interesting in, in the course of our lives how an individual individual at a key moment can kind of be the one to set us down a path. And Don was the one to set me down this path 40 years ago, and it's been a heck of a ride. And uh, I just feel so grateful and so blessed to have uh, a vocation that I've always felt passionate about. So you feel that you're making a contribution in your own teeny tiny small way. You're making a contribution to the betterment of uh, what we're doing on this planet. And I feel a greater imperative now, 40 years later than 1978, given so many uh, of the developments in the past 40 years, right? Yeah. And it makes it a lot easier to kind of wake up in the morning and go and continue to fight that fight. So how can people get in touch with you at ProVision Solar? Well, they can go to our website. Uh, It's fairly easy to remember, www.provisionsolar.com. That's one word, Provision Solar. And uh, our phone number, uh, void email us, is uh, also there. And they can also send me an email directly at marco, M-A-R-C-O, at pvthawaii.com. That's Marco at PVT, like Paul Victor Tom, pvthawaii.com. All right, that's terrific. Okay, well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to our guest, Marco Mangelsdorf, with ProVision Solar in Hawaii. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcast. 